0: Welcome to Parent University. Hopefully you guys can hear me as he adjusts the mic. My name's Jeff Summers, and I am the high school pastor here at Perimeter. I've been here about 10 years, in case this is your first time. So um, feel free to continue while Parent U is going on to grab, grab more uh, donuts or coffee. Uh, again, that's our you know little magnet to draw you into Parent University uh, just, uh, have a little benefit of that. We are in the third week of a series, four weeks on, uh, unity. So that's what we're talking about on your family's unity. And the idea that we are building on is this idea that as a family, you are moving in a direction, right? We should all be serving the Lord, uh, pursuing the kingdom of God, you know, kind of, you see this principle even in, um, in Scripture of when Jesus is praying and teaching his disciples to pray, right? He says, on earth as it is in heaven, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's, that's part of our job is to pursue God, uh, to pursue his kingdom as an individual, and then to do that as a, as a family as well. How do we, how do, we do that? And we, we talked last week specifically about the fact that if that's our goal as a, as a single person... Well, then when you get married, you have to adjust and make, make adjustments, and your goal as a married couple is to pursue the Lord and glorify God, and that your marriage should be a picture of um, Christ's love for the church. And then when your kids start to grow, how do, how do they fit into that? And to be unified as a family is difficult, right? You are, there's so many things that come in and disrupt the unity of the family, especially during the teen years, just the schedule alone, the logistics of trying to get everybody where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there, is a huge factor. But then we have this idea that as our kids are getting older and as they're growing, they develop their own personality and their own desires and their own, uh, and, and that's a natural thing that needs to happen, that should happen. We have to give them space to become individuals, right? Instead of just kind of conforming to us and to our uh, family system, they, how do we give them space to do that? Uh, we've used the example of a, of a planetary system. You know, if, if we're revolving around God and, and we're the earth and our kids are like little moons, you know, satellites revolving around us, but then when they become their own planet, the gravitational pull of both those planets together can be rough for us as we get used to their needs and their desires. And so how does all of that fit together and glorify God? In Philippians 1, 27, uh, it says this, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, All right, and so that I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the, for the, faith of the gospel. That is... Our desire and goal, right? That we would be of one spirit, of one mind, striving side by side. Okay, and so if we're supposed to be that as the church, we want to be that as a family as well, as a family system. How are we all moving in the same direction towards the goal of glorifying God? Now, today what we're going to talk about, this big idea, is that if when our kids are little, getting them in as part of the family system, you know, every, everything's kind of going together. They're kind of revolving around our schedules, around our life, right? Um, and so that conformity brings unity. When everybody's going in the same direction, I told a story about a friend of mine who would spank all his kids on the way to Florida, remember, so that he gets everybody in line before they get there, so that they all have a great vacation. Um, so, and you can't do that when they're teenagers, or else it pretty much ruins the vacation for everybody, right? Uh, if everybody gets in trouble on the way down, That could have the total opposite effect. So if unity is no longer conformity, it's really, um, it is a choice not to be divided by our differences. Unity is now no longer conformity, but we have to choose not to let the differences that arise as our kids develop their own personalities and lives and priorities, how that doesn't throw us off and completely, you know, tear everything apart, Um, so do you remember, I'm taking you back, do you remember when you were single before you had ever gotten married, and, you know, if you were a believer, you're being sanctified. God is doing things in your life to to shape you into his image more and more. And then, like, last night we were at a, a wedding, our staff, our Ashley White, one of our, our ministry associate in Watershed, got married, and so we were there, and you see that, and even the, the pastor was talking about, and, and when I've done weddings, I talk about this idea that Okay, now that person that God brings into your life is going to be a huge sanctifying factor for you, right? You don't realize how selfish you are until you get married. And then suddenly, wait a second, I don't get to do whatever I want anymore. Now I have to think about this other person in everything that I'm doing, okay? And then I've talked to many people, and I remember this myself. You don't realize how selfish you are again until you have children, And suddenly, wait, now I have to really die to myself. And especially when it's a little innocent, cute little baby, right? And they're just wonderful and you just love them. And you, you know, to sacrifice for that little innocent child who can't do anything is easy. But when they are a teenager and they have a will of their own, to sacrifice for them is not as easy, I don't think. I think it's a little more difficult when they're in the tween years and the teen years, um, and they, you know, have their own opinions and they have their own things, how do we then change and let ourselves be sanctified in that process? Um, So this is the idea that we're covering today, this idea that how do we stretch our, you know, because I think of, uh, like, Mrs. Incredible, you know, she had the stretchy arms, and she, you know, so you're hugging your family, you get your arms around it, everything's working fine, your kids are little, and it's going well, and then as your kids get older, you know, and that unity starts to break, you know, Mrs. Incredible could always stretch her arms to get around that, and, and continue to hold everybody together. But it's difficult for us in this idea of stretching. How do I allow them to grow and become who they're going to be and and not have these idols of my own way or these idols of respect or things like that that are happening in my life. I think of Jace, my son now is a freshman and he's growing like crazy. Uh, he's, I think he's about, he's 6'1 or 6'2 now. So he's taller than me. I have to look up to him. But he's not just been growing in that way. He's getting his own ideas. He's getting his own Will, he's becoming a man, and he needs space, and I have to give him that and let him have opinions without trying to constantly conform his opinions to my opinions, and, and how, do I, how do I do that? Um, somebody has to die to themselves for the sake of another, right? When those conflicts come, when the opinions aren't the same, when conflict arises, somebody has to die for the sake of another, and as our kids exert their will, somebody has to give. So, let's face it: as hopefully you and I are the more mature believers, we're the more mature person. And as they're getting older, if somebody's going to die to themselves, it's probably going to be us at some point. And how you know how are we gonna how are we gonna do that? Um, we kind of enter into what I call the grad school of sanctification. Okay. Because if I was being more sanctified when, we had a, when I got married and more sanctified when I had a child, and now as a teenager, boy, I really have to learn to die to myself in ways that I didn't even think possible. Now, I've heard, and I haven't experienced this. Some of you may in this room may be able to help me, but that when, you have em- when you're an empty nester and they're at college, it doesn't get easier. It actually gets harder, I've heard, because then they're making decisions that really you can only coach and you have very little influence. And it's even more difficult to die to yourself as they're doing things you really do don't want them to do so. I, I I don't have a lot of experience in that area yet, but I did hear that that's even harder. Even though it's hard to imagine, so we have some uh, this verse from Colossians, which we've mentioned last week, and this is one of those verses. The Bible again is not necessarily a textbook about parenting, so it's hard to pull some of these nuggets out and kind of unpack them. But this one you all are probably familiar with in Colossians three, which says, "Fathers do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged." Um, and i think this provoking is a part of that idea of you know and other translations don't exasperate your kids is when we make everything an ultimate thing when we don't stretch and let them become the person that they're supposed to be when we are constantly you know on them for every little thing they can become discouraged cuz it's hard it's difficult they are trying to figure out who they are as a person right they're going through a lot of changes uh the insecurities that they're feeling are incredible and i do think and we talk about this a lot in parent you for us to go back and try to remember is difficult right i'd love for you to put yourself though in your seventh grade brain okay or your eighth grade time maybe for you that was awesome you would be in like the two percentage of people <laughs> who think seventh grade is awesome. I was talking to a parent just this last week, and uh, they have, like, I think their oldest is a seventh grader, and, and the problems that they were experiencing, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're in school, and I just can't believe how mean everybody is, you know, and I, I've always thought, you know, if you could take, like, if we could take seventh grade girl meanness and, like, put it into to some kind of warfare, you know, <laughs> in the United States, how powerful that would be, because it is just at the height, and it's because, Everyone, the worst thing in seventh grade, right, is to be different. The worst thing when you're a seventh grader is you want to be like everybody else. You want, oh, I don't want to be different. I don't want to stand out. And those insecurities are just so heightened. And so our, our kids are just experiencing this stuff. And then we wonder why when they walk into the house, they can be so oblivious to, everybody else and everybody else's needs and everything else that's going on why is it like me you know it's all about them and it's because all of these insecurities these changes all these things that are going on they're trying to figure out who they are as a person and and so it's they're very self-focused in negative ways and then we experience that right as well as as they move in so not jumping on them at that time How, how do we do that um proverbs 19 says Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is, it is his glory to overlook an offense. It is his glory to overlook an offense. See, I can be very, I think this is especially true for dads, because we're not, natu- the men are not naturally as nurturing as, as women are. And respect can be an idol, okay? That every offense can be an offense against me, against my, against you know, oh, are you disrespecting me? You know, every single thing. And so sometimes, though, and this is what I'm talking about with this idea of stretching our wills and stretching. If I'm going to be like every, uh, you you know, every single thing that happens, I'm going to jump on it. I am going to exasperate my kids. They need, they're going to mess up. They're going to sin. They're going to, and so it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be this. And how do I die to myself even when I could bring it up? Um, There is no formula that helps you navigate this that's perfect, okay? No formula is going to help us figure out when do we stretch, when do I give, when do I give them space, and when do I, say, toe the line, and no, we're drawing a line in the sand here, and this is going to be what it is, okay? There's no exact way to do that. Um, We have to count the cost. So there's no formula. There's no A plus B equals C. I always want the formula. I want to know, oh, if this is the way, this is exactly how it's going to work out. I want a formula. And there's no formula for that. Counting the cost of drawing the line in the sand. So do we see the cost of exerting our will in each situation? Because sometimes we need to stop and do that and say, okay, if, if I draw a line in the sand here, what's that going to cost me? What's that going to cost this relationship? How is that going to play out? How much does this particular issue that I'm talking about really matter? Okay, and that's, that's a question that I don't think about all the time. I, sometimes I just react in the moment, right? I react in the moment. Maybe the issue I'm thinking of is important, but I've already lost the ability to speak into her life or his life. Maybe my child doesn't see me as safe because I've jumped on them so many times that they start to just get dead to what I'm saying, all right? They don't even hear me, oh yeah, sure. And when they start to roll the eyes, and yeah, dad, whatever, yeah, what you know, you know that, okay, am I, have I hit this issue too much? Have I become an unsafe person? Is it Are they becoming deaf to what I'm saying? Because you see, when we exasperate our kids, there's different things that we encourage them to do, okay? When we exasperate our kids, we encourage them to disconnect um, with us. We can encourage them to lie, If we get on every little thing that they do, we can encourage disconnection. We can encourage them to lie. Um, We can encourage them to wait us out. I mean, I have been around a lot of different high school kids that are saying, you know what, my parents just ride me all the time, and they know I'm graduating in a year and a half. I'm just going to keep my head down and get through this. And when that's happened, when, when your child is that far removed from you, you're not really getting at their heart anymore when you speak to them. And, you know, if everything is an argument, if everything uh, goes to that, to that sense. Um, you know, because they have this idea sometimes, too, if they think your rule is stupid, they're not going to follow it. Okay? Um, and that is a very normal thing. That they may enter into. Maybe you have the opposite problem. though. Maybe you're here and you know I'm talking about conforming them to us and how we struggle with that or are we forcing that. Um, maybe child-centeredness is your problem or your spouse's problem. Maybe it's more as they become teenagers, it was really easy for you to conform your will to theirs. Maybe you became the satellite orbiting around their life and it's super easy to just drop everything for what your child needs uh, or your perceived needs. Now again, there's there's unintended consequences for that as well, right? Um, if it's always too easy for us to give in, our 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 love isn't stretching. Our love is elastic, and we just give them whatever they want. That's also going to have unintended consequences that we don't want, right? If we're if we're growing up these little narcissists whose whole everything revolves around them, uh, that's not my problem. Again, mine's more I think the opposite where I, I tend to want them to conform to me. But if it's too easy for you to conform to them, you you, we may, you know again, there's no easy formula that takes us through that. So let's, let me I'll illustrate this, and then we're going to have some discussion time. I think I think this will all come together. Um, some things that we need to consider then when you're thinking, do I draw the line now or not? Here's some things, that, just some rule of thumb things that, that we can go through. One is, is this an eternal issue that we're dealing with or is it a temporal issue? Is am I trying to draw the line in the sand over something that really isn't that important in this in the grand scheme of things or is this like an issue that I really need to put a stake in the ground here? Okay? So that's one. The next one, is this the right time to address it? Man, this one is really I have feel like I'm growing in this area over the last few years where I can, I'll have something that I want to say to my oldest child, and I'm like, man, I really, oh, I got to remember to say this, you know, when I'm alone or when I'm driving, I'm thinking of these things, and then when I see the mood that she's in or what's going on, the Lord is kind of like, not right now, you know, don't, don't, don't jump into this now, because if I do, I'm not going to get anywhere. Like, it's a, the timing can be a real issue. Um, Am I addressing behavior or am I getting at the heart? Now, this one is one of the hardest ones for us to see because it's very easy to be behaviorist if we're not careful. And remember I was saying earlier that our kids can go under the radar and just wait us out and wait till they go off to college. If we're behaviorists and all we want is a peaceful home, we can do that. Like, we can just work on their behavior and we don't ever address their heart. That is not going to be good for us in the long run. Like, they're going to go off to school and go buck wild, possibly, maybe not. But if they do, that's one of those signs that you often see is, okay, they were just kind of, they figured out the rules, and we weren't ever getting at the heart of the matter of what they were dealing with, and so they just waited us out, you know. Um, so that can be an issue. Is this about me instead of them? okay. <laughs> That one is really hard to see because I'm the problem. If it's about me and it's not about them, maybe this is my own pet peeve. Again, it's not, maybe it's not something that's eternal. It's just really a preference thing that I have. Or it's something that's it's really all about, about me. Um, and then the last one, and this, and again, there may be more of these. These are the ones that, that I thought of. Is, is this an area of character or is it an area of childish irresponsibility? Um, the trips talk a lot about that. Uh, Ted Tripp in his book, talking specifically about younger kids, this was his rule of thumb for like spanking, and I always thought that was just an amazing thing. You know, he would say that he usually didn't spank little kids for childish irresponsibility; he spanked them for issues of character. And so, if you take that now and apply it to teenagers, I think it's a good thing for us to mull over and say, okay, is this a character issue that I really need to put a stake in the ground here, or is this childish irresponsibility? Okay, so let me give you an idea of this grid and how it could work for us in thinking through. Now, again, it's very quick hard to do this uh, instantly if you're just reacting to your child. But think about your teenager, and I've, t- I've told this story before, but it's, it's fun to kind of throw it through this grid. So remember, I, I, I remember years ago I went into my daughter's room to say goodnight to her. I hadn't seen her all day, so zero, zero communication all day long. I walk in there, and she's got, and I'm walking in to like pray for her and say, I hope you had a great day, you know, good night, and you know, just connect with her for like 10 minutes, literally, and I walk in and step on a wet towel, walking into her room (laughs) on the floor, okay, so not, I mean, all of my children leave towels on the floor at some time or another it's not even that it's not even that it's that big a deal to me but we had said many times don't do this you know like over and over again hey please don't leave your towels on the floor hang it up i mean even hang it up in your room you know just so just get it off the floor so i step on the wet towel and i just react okay now was that an eternal issue or a temporal issue temporal not an eternal issue god is not going to be like Tirza. i'm so glad as you want to enter into heaven, but the wet towel thing, we got to deal with that. God doesn't care about wet towels, I don't think, not in that instance. Was it the right time to address it? It's like 1130 at night. I haven't seen her all day. Was that a good time? No, not a good time to address it. I could have looked, overlooked it and addressed it at a completely different time. Hey, by the way, you know, two days ago when I walked in your room, there was a wet towel, maybe over breakfast when she's in a great mood that would be a better time to say, hey, just remember that. Please try to hang those up. Um, am I addressing behavior or getting at the heart? Okay, that one, you know, it, it's, it's behavior. There is a heart issue there, I think, to some degree in uh, stewardship, right? You could address that as we're, we're supposed to be good stewards of what God has given us. Um, is this about me instead of them? I don't really care that much about the towel, honestly. I think it was that we had said it over and over again. So I don't know that that wasn't like a me thing where I'm just so, I'm the towel Nazi at my house. So I don't think that was about me. I think it was more, I was like, wow, we've said this over and over again and you're not getting it. So I don't I don't think that that one was about me per se, okay? Um, is this scenario of character or childish irresponsibility? Which one do you think? Childish irresponsibility. So... Me losing it in my one interaction with her. I don't know what kind of days she'd had. I didn't take the temperature of the room. She could have, I don't remember. I will tell you, it was not a good interaction. I left the room feeling like the biggest schmuck in the world (laughs) and like a horrible dad, okay? So, didn't go well for me. Didn't think about any of this. I just reacted, which is what we often do. We're human too. Then I got to practice my, my, uh, you know, Please forgive me for being a big jerk face. I got to practice that the next day and model repentance, right, for her and for the rest of my children at breakfast the next day, okay? So that is an example of this. So I want you to, around your tables, um, we're going to leave those, the grid up there, okay, for you to talk about. So I want to, I'll throw some things on the board, um, and let's, uh, let's see, where, where do I have those? you want to write those on the board for me? Her writing is so much better than me, than mine. Um, All right, so the first one, yeah, this doesn't roll very well. The first one I want you to think about is, they can't see over there, music. All right, think about your kids' music. Now, this could be whether they play it too loud or it's the kind of music they listen to. Okay, the black one is, probably going to work the best. Whether it's too loud or the kind of music that they're playing, okay? I want you to think about that one. Um, Maybe the way they dress or their makeup. If it's a guy, that could be really unusual, but (laughs) this is uh, the 21st century, so that's possible. Um, What about... Dating or kissing specifically, and I'll address that a little more, is like, is kissing a thing that is like, if they date and if they kiss, what, you know, like, run that through the grid. Um, Sneaking out during a sleepover or staying out past midnight. All right, and then this is a real easy one. Uh, Let's go cigars. Piercings and tattoos. You can even do those as separate, separate or together as a batch. You decide. I'm sure none of your kids would ever get any of those, so that wouldn't happen. All right. So take some time around your table and run these through the grid and talk about it a little bit. Give you just a second to uh, wrap up here. Let's uh, get some feedback on some of this. Is this, um, is this easy to run through all these things with this idea, or is this helpful? Any, anybody want to share something at your table, maybe? Any revelations about any of this stuff? Maybe you've dealt with one of these in your own home, and, or, yeah, that you want to share. Maybe, maybe even when you were a kid and you had to deal with some of this. That sometimes is easier to throw our parents under the bus than it is our own decisions. Anybody got anything you want to you wanna share specifically? Okay. Um, some of these, now, I chose because I've dealt with students over the years and specific ways that they're dealing with their parents with these things in particular. Okay? Like, let's take the music one, for example. Um, I, I threw that one on there because I was thinking, I, I know a student that, I mean, he is like a Boy Scout. Like, if I... Describe this kid to you, any of you would say, Man, I wish my kid was like that. Like, this kid is just, I mean, he's godly. He is pursuing the Lord. He leads at his school. I mean, in every way, he just lines up amazing. And his parents were like, You are turning your music up way too loud, and we're going to take your car away from you if you keep doing that. And I'm just thinking, Okay, you're a little over the top. In the whole music thing. Teen- I have a little newsflash for y'all. Teenagers like loud music, right? You liked loud music when you were a teenager. Maybe you still like loud music. But, you know, that's one of those things that I'm talking about where we can exasperate our kids. This, this, this kid is doing everything. You know, he's doing his best. He's taking AP classes. He's ACT prep course. I mean, he is just in the zone of, like, up to here with busyness and everything and they're going to harp on the music, okay? But if you run the music through the grid, um, so is the music thing eternal or temporal? You know, especially being too loud. The volume, you know. Yeah, the volume thing, okay? It's, it's probably not that big a deal. Is it the right time to address it? Again, there you got to be aware of what's going on with them at the moment. Um, are you addressing behavior or getting at the heart, you know, you know, as you go through this, the, the music. Now, maybe you don't like their music. That's another thing. And that's where you go, is it about me instead of them? Maybe, you know, because if I weren't in youth ministry, I would listen to like 70s rock. Like that would be the only thing I would ever listen to, 70s and 80s rock and roll, because that's what I grew up with. I mean, everybody's kind of stuck in your little, that's what, you know, you love that music because that's what you grew up with. And but I'll listen to the Justin Bieber and all that stuff now because I have to because my kids, you know, get in the car and they, they play it all. And, um, but, you know, so sometimes, but if you're like a classical music-only type person, your kid's music, you're going to hate it and you're going you're gonna to ride them on it. And it's not really about them. Maybe that's the issue. It's more about you, right, if it's the kind of music that they listen to. So, uh, in thinking about that, all right, so maybe you don't like the way they dress or their makeup. Now... Going through the grid there, um, one you know, as you look through the, the grid, is it eternal or temporal? Um, you know what what's at stake in the way that they're dressing or the makeup style, because sometimes that that changes a lot, right? Girls are trying to figure out how to do makeup, and boy, they do some funky stuff for at different times. And you have to go, you know, is that really like the end of the world if they walk out of the house looking like that? Um, is it behavior getting at the heart? Is it about you instead of them? You know, sometimes like with, okay, so here's the thing. Is it a modesty issue or is it a style issue? Because maybe you're like, that really doesn't go with that. <laughs> now, that could you be just you being nice, right? Trying to say, do you really want to wear that out of the house? Um, but if they're like, yes, I do, and it's not an issue of modesty, it's not a heart issue, then there's a... Part of you that can go, well, okay, you know, maybe that's not the end of the world. Um, and so just weighing those things, but again, is this, is this really about me or is it about them? If it's a modesty issue, then yeah, I think you do have to address it at some point. Um, but even then, is, it a, is that a hill you want to die on? You have to decide that. It, some of these things, what is the temperature of your relationship with your child? If you're in a war zone with your child all the time, and mod- modesty might be the least of the issues that you need to address. You see what I'm saying? And that's where weighing this stuff can be difficult when you're navigating that. You might be like, you know what? I just died on like two other hills this week. And, <laughs> and that particular shirt is more, low, blouse is more low cut than I like. But good grief, I'm not, you know, do I draw a line in the sand again over that right now? I don't know. You know, so, because again, if you draw the line on everything, then you will draw the line on nothing, because they're going to tune you out. And that's what, what's dangerous about this elasticity. Yeah? Some that there if we're in a war zone all the time with our child, that's probably revealing like, there's greater issues that need to be dealt with than whatever specific issues they face in child. Well, it can. I will say this, though, it, I wouldn't be surprised if, depending on how many kids you have, if you're not in a war zone all the time for a season with, with one of them, at least. I mean, we've had, we call it the dark days, you know. Tirza was in a, a, a mood for like two years. Um, and it was like eighth grade and freshman year. And then she started coming out of it like sophomore year. And it wasn't all the time war zone. But I'm saying there were some periods of pretty, pretty heavy battles or pretty heavy uh, conflict for a month or two, you know, and then it would, you'd have a ceasefire for a while and, and then it would come back, uh, you know. And so you get into that and, and she's a very, we would say compared to other people we know, an incredibly compliant, you know, fantastic, loving, wonderful teenager. So, but she's, we still had with us, there was just a season that we went through that was rough. Um, and again, addressing every little thing. This is what my tendency would be is to, uh, I'm not letting you get away with anything. That's not a winning strategy, I don't think, uh, if you're gonna be that, you know, draw the line in the sand. Um, and I do remember for a while, I, I mean, what's so funny, ironic with this makeup thing, is Tears, our daughter, uh, she watches makeup tutorials and she's actually gotten so good at makeup, she gets paid to do makeup now for uh, different photo shoots and things like that, but there was a while when the way she was doing her makeup, Kenny was just like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe, yeah. <laughs> Yeah.: Yeah, and now, now she it's not an issue, so we just had to weather through it. Uh, the kissing thing. Now that one, the reason I put that on there, I, I was years ago, like 10 years ago, we were at visiting some family members, and they, and they had just been to a wedding and said, "Oh, wasn't it great that at the wedding we were at, the dad had told the daughter when she was going into high school that he would give her 10,000 dollars if her first kiss was her wedding kiss?" and they just thought that was awesome and inside I was like no like what are you doing like I hope none of you walk out of here and go I'm writing that down that's a good that's a good why would I have a problem with that idea do you think which one of these behavior. yeah are you addressing behavior or the heart it completely misses the heart I mean we've all watched was it pretty woman? You know, you don't have to kiss to have sex. So that doesn't really do anything. Uh, you're kind of bypassing the whole issue. So, but, but just the idea of that behaviorism, Hey, we're going to, we're going to throw this out there for you, um, without really going after the heart of your kid. I just, I would, I, I don't recommend that. Um, Sneaking out during sleepovers or past midnight. Now, this one, I think really just knowing your child is a huge issue. Because, like, I, I grew up, in a, and where you are, the context and stuff, uh, I snuck out. Well, it was really, my parents and I kind of knew I was out. I grew up in a really small town. Being out in the summertime at, like, 2 a.m. was normal. And I was with people my parents knew, and we were really not getting into any trouble at all. Like, I was, so knowing your kid, but it was super fun to be out at 2 in the morning we rolled this one girl's yard every night, well, every weekend for the entire summer. And it was just fun. Now, we went back the next day every, and cleaned it up every single time. But it was just, we had nothing else to do. It was I'm talking small town. There was nothing to do. And so, but you know, my parents could have really come down on that, and they didn't. And it just wasn't, and I, I did sneak out on them one sleepover one other time and went over and got a friend, and he snuck out. And we just walked around and then went, I mean, and nothing, no vandalism, No, nothing. Now, that doesn't mean everybody who sneaks out is doing nothing. So, you got to know your kid. But, again, how hard you come down on them for something like that can be a big deal. All right, the cigars, piercings, and tattoos. Um, You know, I'll just, I have, with all of those issues, okay, and I'm not saying there aren't health issues here. I do think, what do you think with these, or at least the piercings and tattoos, what is that one about more in this grid? It's about me rather than them, I think. Uh, I mean, I think there's other issues that, that you can throw out. I don't want to make this about that, but um, I have had parents over the years say to their children, if you smoke a cigar or a pipe, I will not pay for college. I will. If you get a piercing or a tattoo, you're, you're cut off. I'm not paying for college. I'm not. And maybe you're there. That may be where you are. I don't know. I feel like, would I rather have a godly son who has tattoos, you know? Yeah, I would. That, that, that to me is more of, a, of a, an outward issue, but it's more about, oh, what are my friends going to say if my son comes home with tattoos? And the other thing that's kind of ironic about the whole tattoo piercing thing is when we were growing up, many of us in this room, you know, are my age. So when we were growing up, tattoos... And piercings specifically were a sign of what? Was a sign of rebellion and nonconformity. I have news for you. Right now, tattoos and piercings are a sign of conformity. Everybody has it, okay? It's really more a sign of of being against the flow if you don't have a tattoo or piercing of some type. Um, In college especially. I bet if you went on a college campus and just saw what? Every, okay, where's everybody at in this area? You find probably 50% or more are in that area, okay? So it doesn't mean what it meant to us. And so we have that in our minds. Oh, man, if they get a tattoo, you know, they're, they're against the man, you know, standing in rebellion. <laughs> no, it's because it's really cool. And that's it. Um, yeah? Yeah. Well, I'm not one to talk right off the bat. <laughs> I'm usually like, look, don't want to end up like this. Um, so, yeah, that one's really, really difficult. And I don't know that I have a ton of wisdom in, in regards to that. So, because that's my own personal struggle. Um, I know we have, I have known some parents over the years who were very smart in the way they addressed it. They kind of made a family rule For example, saying all of our kids will play a sport all the time, which I thought at the time, the first time I heard of that, I thought, what are you doing? Making your kids do something. They you know, and it was really just about being healthy and developing a healthy lifestyle. And in now since then, I'm like, that's really a great idea. Now that's kind of behaviorism, but you're hoping that they develop the habits um, that that are happening. And so I think that can be really wise. Um, I definitely think if it's a weight issue the other way where they're getting too skinny, you got to intervene because we deal with that a lot um, in our ministry, unfortunately, of uh, that side. And so keeping an eye on that and being aware is very important. And if, if it's a bulimia issue or a, a weight loss issue, I would seek counseling quickly. Um, you know, how you model that as a as a family is an issue there as well. Your own eating habits as a family. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that go into that. But I don't know that um I think it's a really tough one. Uh I specifically with if it's like a, a female in my family, I think the dad needs to really be careful about addressing that. I think I would definitely encourage the mom to address it more than the than the dad, um, just because I feel like she should always be a beautiful princess, <laughs> to me, because so much of her self-esteem, you know, is is weighted on what I, you know how I model that, and so that would be part of some something I've learned and tried to do myself. But um, I do think that's a really tough one. Does anybody else have some any advice on that? Yeah, or yeah, a different question? Yes. I agree. I mean, I think as our society continues to get more and more secular, more non-Christian, it's harder for Christians to blend in generally, right? If you're going to be a Christian, and uh, and how you stand apart and non-conformity to society's norms, you know, is I think something that we want to promote and celebrate even the fact that our kids, when they don't want to conform to everybody else. Yeah. I was just bringing up... My main point in the tattoo piercing thing really was more the fact of seeing these parents, to me, go over the top in the level of bringing the hammer down. You know, on you know what is the real issue? That's what I I, my goal again is not even what you guys decide or how you, but is to think about what is at stake. Right? That's really all I'm wanting to say is what's really at stake as you get into that. I mean, and even that. Some of these things, again, what your kids dealing with and where they're at is so important. For example, if you're—I remember uh, years ago—because cigarettes, okay? In our in our society, cigarettes are such a like. Well, I mean, it's like worse than you know. W- I, in fact, they've taken surveys; most parents would rather their kids smoke marijuana than cigarettes, which that's crazy. But so cigarettes are so looked down on our society. And I remember seeing this guy being around him at church, and he was. He just reeked of cigarette smoke, and he volunteered with the children's ministry. This was years ago at another church I was at, and I was like, "Oh man, I can't believe this guy." We let him volunteer with all the kids, and he's—he's—he's a smoker. Then I found out his history, and he had been like a hardcore drug addict. Well, when you've been a hardcore drug addict and Jesus saves you, and now you just struggle with nicotine, I was like, "Praise the Lord, he only smokes cigarettes." (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so there isn't there is an aspect of that like where are you at? What's what are you dealing with? Like if if your child is struggling with like huge issues and has come out of this huge rebellion, and they only want to get a tattoo, you know, you could be like, okay, that's really very minor compared to the things that they you know that they were in or dealing with. So I think those, uh, having perspective, and and how 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 do we look at that stuff? So. You know, again, I just want you thinking about this. What is at stake? Um, let me end with this. The uh, it says in Luke, Jesus says, "I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you." From the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish others would do to you, do so to them. For if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So, just a few things out of this passage pray for those who abuse you. There are times you will receive verbal abuse from your kids, and we love them in response. They will steal from your closet, right? (laughs) and borrow things, and still want to borrow even more. And when they don't take care of the things they've already borrowed out of your closet, I think that's going to happen. Um, Expect nothing in return. Sometimes we are going to give to them, and they are not going to give back, right? That's going to happen. Um, We need to be looking to Christ to meet our needs. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. And again, if we can love and are called to love our enemies, how much more should we love those within our own home? Right, And sometimes they're going to feel like our enemies, even within our own house. And as sad as that is, it can happen. And last thing, I just want to, coming up here, but I want you to think about one of the problems that I often do is I judge my kids and I judge their decisions on my 48-year-old brain and wisdom. Putting myself in their 15-year-old brain and going, wait a second, that's really not a bad decision for a 15-year-old to make. You know, I want them to have all of my life experience and everything that I got going on in my head, and I judge their decisions on my life experience, and that's really unfair. You know, so keep that in mind. Put yourself in their shoes and try to think about things the way they think about it, and it may not be as bad as we think.
1: So this whole idea of stretching and um not demanding conformity. (laughs) As he was talking, I was just thinking of all these situations that have happened in our own household. And um, I remember the first time this really became obvious to me that we had to kind of – I had to think about this differently than when my kids were little. We were on a beach trip um, and visiting some friends, and they had three kids, and we have four kids. And um, I wanted to go to the beach. They lived inside Jacksonville, and so we had to drive 30 minutes to the beach. And – Tirza didn't want to go. Tirza's very fair-skinned. She doesn't like the sun. She hates the beach. She doesn't ever want to go. So she, in her, you know, 15-year-old wisdom, decided to to form a coup with all the other children. So she went, and she got all the other kids to say that they didn't want to go to the beach. And I love the beach. Like, my favorite happy place is the beach. And I remember just looking at her going, I didn't give you the option of having an opinion, you know? And so she and I get in this, like, heated fight, And I say all of these things like, I don't care what you want. I don't care. You're not in charge. I'm in charge. You have to do it my way. (laughs) And so I force her and all these kids to get in the car, and we go to the beach. And it is miserable because she is an absolute, I mean, she's just like Debbie Downer at the beach. Like she won't get out from underneath the umbrella. And Jeff and I are walking the beach, and he's going, how do you think you handled that? <laughs> and I'm going, well, she didn't, you know, and I'm just walking on the beach, you know, and I'm so mad. And <laughs> and I do think, you know, that's been several years ago. Um, I don't think this is a lesson I've gotten under my belt yet, honestly. Um, two weeks ago I went on a business trip with Tirza and Tirza's boss to New York City. And I had been the year before to New York City, um, Always wanted to go to New York City, my friend, who 's tears's boss, had a buying trip for to the fashion district of Manhattan. so I got to go to Manhattan, which is like a lifetime exciting dream to get to go do with my friend and um, so last year I went, and tears wasn 't with me and i Oh, I pined for her. Do you guys have, have you ever been somewhere when your kids aren't with you and you're just like, oh, they would love this and tears is into theater and so I would walk on Broadway and I would go in all these little theater shops and I just wanted her to be with me and I was so pining for her. Well, a year later... Tiers is working for this friend, and the friend has to go on the buying trip again. And I really felt like this was an answer to prayer. God had given me this trip with my daughter. She and I both were going to get to go on this trip that I could never afford. And a lot of the time we were going to be working, but we had a good bit of time where we could go and, you know, see Manhattan. So excited. I'm so excited for this trip. I had no idea I had these expectations. None. And Tearsa didn't have these expectations. <laughs> So we get to New York, and I have these grand schemes of going to Broadway and walking and seeing all these things, and Tears it just wants to work. And I'm like, I'm up early, I'm out walking, she's in bed, not walking, I go to Broadway, you, I can't wait to show you this, uh-huh, she doesn't want to even go. Like, I was so mad and bitter and angry on this trip to New York. <laughs> I, and I'm, you know, I'm not one to suffer silently or quietly. I'm very snide and hateful and, you know, well, if you just want to sleep all day and if you just want to work all the time and da 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 you know, like, I'm just so hateful about it. And so it's so funny we're talking about this here because I'm like, I don't know when, you, when I will totally get the, that it's okay for her to have different opinions. Like, It just is so hard for me, and even, like, while we're there, I go, we had one day where we could go see the town, and and I go, okay, so what do you want to do? And she wanted to go to this museum that I didn't want to go to, and so, like, I'm dying to myself, and she doesn't want to go on the subway, and and it's just like this wrestling match over who's going to be in charge, and I'm like, die to yourself, die, 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 die to yourself, die. And so she looks at me, and she's like, well, like, what do you want to see next in the museum? And I'm like, I don't even want to be at this museum, you know? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, I want you to get, you know, to decide something you want to do. And I'm like, I can either have an opinion or I can have no opinion. But I can't, like, have the opinion you want me to have. Like, it's so hard. So, you know, as, as I returned home, I realized that I have a choice to live out this whole topic of stretching unity. We were on the trip with different expectations, and it has to be okay that Tirza wanted to do things differently than I did. What made it so hard for me was that I had this idea of how things should be. And so when we went to go live it out, it wasn't what I expected because in my imagination, she had no sin nature, and I had no sin nature. And we were going to be in Manhattan, and it was going to be heaven on earth because we were go- both going to be so godly and unified and have the same ideas of how this should be done. My ideas, not hers. And so, like, at the end of the day, as I'm flying home, I'm like, okay, Cammy, I'm, I'm praying about it on the plane right home. And I'm going, okay, Lord, like, you have to do something in my heart because I'm just bitter and snide and just saying hateful things to her every chance I get. And I'm like, God has given us this trip to Manhattan, Like, this was his gift to me, and I'm totally ungrateful for it. And I just confess that to you. I think that's the hardest part of having teenagers. It's so easy to focus on the negative. Or maybe it is for me. I don't know if you guys struggle with that. But for me it is. Like, these things can be, when tears was going through her clown makeup phase, it drove me nuts. Like, every time she would come out of her house, it took every, like, I wanted to get a bandage and wrap it around my mouth, so I would stop saying things to her, because every time she came out, I'd be like, hi, Ronald McDonald, you know, and she'd be like, oh, mom, you know, and I couldn't help but say things, and it's like, it wasn't helpful, and it wasn't, it wasn't producing what I wanted it to produce, and I don't know why it's so hard, why it's so easy to focus on what is not and what is wrong, and what is short of what I want, and why it is so hard to be grateful, so hard to see what my kids are, and so easy to see what they are not. There's something broken in me that that's the reality. I need the Holy Spirit to focus me on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Cause I just don't naturally do that. Um, when Tirza and I were in the darkest days of the summer, of, of, you know, these teen years, for Christmas, I got one of those big jars, um, and I filled it. I got notes. I, got, I made these little note cards, and I filled it full of things I liked about her, and I really think that was almost as good of an exercise for me to write down all the great things about her because there are millions of great things. But it is so much easier for me to tell you all the things that are wrong because that's what I naturally go to. And so why do I do that? And, and where I would come back to, I've been studying the book of Romans, and I've been in Romans 3 for a few weeks, and I'm reading a commentary from Boyce, um, if you're into that kind of thing James Boyce is my favorite commentator and he has a million books on Romans but he's talking about Romans 11 um Romans 3:11 which is there is no one who understands no one who seeks God and when he's talking about it he pulls up Jonathan Edwards and he's talking about choice and of course he's talking about spiritual choice choosing God right i mean um but he talks about the will like we each have our own will. And, and Jonathan Edwards defined the will as what the mind chooses. And Boyce goes in to talk about how <clears throat> we choose, our choices are not determined by the will itself as if, as if it were an entity into itself, but by the mind, which means that our choices are determined by what we think the most desirable course of action is. Why? And Jonathan Edwards says, why is it that the mind chooses one thing rather than another? The mind chooses as it does because of motives. That is, the mind is not neutral. It thinks some things are better than other things. And because it thinks that way, it always chooses the better thing. And Boyce goes on to say that the reason that we don't choose God is because we don't, in our sinful, broken way, we don't think God is the best choice. We think our own will is the best choice. And as after I was reading this, I was thinking about why, as a mama of a teenager, it's so hard for me to let my kids have different choices. And, you know, going down to the question that Jeff gave, um, it comes down to about me. You know, I'm afraid, if I'm utterly honest with you, I'm afraid of my kids' bad choices. I'm afraid that her clown makeup is going to go outside, and she's going to be rejected, and then she's going to be left alone to be a homeless person. You know what I mean? Like, you go all the way there in that moment, and it's so ridiculous to say that out loud, but kind of we do, and I I wrote, as parents, this theology is terrifying. We want to choose God for our kids, but the truth is God alone will change his or her choices. Again, our anger is often rooted in fear and lack of control. God has to grow in our hearts to respond in faith trust him. Teens make bad choices because they can't help it. You know, like, I saw this trip to Manhattan being wasted, but she, in her 18 years of life experience, doesn't know that this will, might be our only chance to go to Manhattan together, you know? So, she's judging from what's best for her in that moment, and, and that has to be okay. I have to trust the Lord with that, and, and I guess that's the bottom line. Like, as Jeff and I have talked about all this stuff, we're in the grad school of of parenting because it's sanctifying. God has to get bigger. You know, our unity can stretch because we trust God to be big. So I just want to close and just pray for us because I just, it's hard. Yeah, did you have a thought? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Right. (laughs) <laughs> the mutiny. Yeah, I would, I would handle it very differently now. I would, I would go to her and talk to her and say, you know, Tirza, when we're in Atlanta, I can't go to the beach. And the beach is one of my favorite places, and you know it's one of my favorite places. And is this a situation where I can, you can give me the gift of going to the beach with me because you love me? And I would go to it from a relational aspect instead of from a domineering, I get to decide and you don't. And the other thing is is I don't know that I would have not gone to the beach with her, but I disrespected her utterly in my communication. And that was the thing as, that Jeff pointed out and as we walked along the beach was that I talked to her. It, when you get teenagers and they have their own opinions, you have to talk to them as an adult would and show them that same respect. And you don't when they're little. When they're little, you can go, I'm sorry, that's what you want. And there's no real cost to that. But when they're teenagers, there's a huge cost to that because they want to be respected. And so to disrespect them in the way you communicate can totally break down that communication. And that was something that I feel like I really had to learn because I was really good at my way, the highway. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's hard. And I don't think I do this well, honestly. But I really do depend on Jesus, and that's where I always want to follow up. I I have blown it as much as I've, way more than I've gotten it right. I mean, tears would say even now that I'm a little salty over my trip to New York. So I haven't even, you know, I'm still mm, trying to get the right heart about it. But I I, we just need Jesus. We need Jesus. So let's just pray. Dear God, we just love you and we need you desperately. We need you desperately to maneuver this hard territory and to seek unity even in the um, battle for for unity in this world with our own will and their will and so I just lift up to you and pray for each parent here and pray that you will walk this road with us that we would be at the foot of the cross and dependent on you and that you would guide and direct us lord put muzzles over our mouths at those times when they should be and and give us the courage to speak at others and and Lord, I pray for our teens as they're trying to navigate how difficult it is to grow up in this world. Be with them. Save them. Be merciful, I pray, and that you would guide and direct them to be men and women who love you with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And help us to major on the majors and minor on the minors. In Jesus' name, amen.